All right, guys, today's question is this. Why can't I stop relapsing? All right, uh, before we get into that, I want to invite you guys over to our subscription site. You guys have probably heard about it, but maybe you don't understand what it really is. Um, the value there is, is so, so much. Um, for less than one therapy session, you can get an hour with me every month. You can get an hour with Ashlyn and you can get an hour with Kobe where you're able to talk to us live and ask us questions and um, you get all three perspectives. So the, the men can, can attend the live group with Ashlyn and ask her questions and what would be helpful with, with their wife and how to handle that. Um, the women can talk to Kobe and vice versa and then everybody can talk to me. And so it's just really valuable. It's really affordable. And there's just a lot of good in-depth content there. So go to patreon.com and type in the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. We are so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive after betrayal, trauma, or addiction. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. Now, why am I an expert? Because I've treated betrayal, trauma, and addiction for over a decade. Okay, I'm going to read a little uh, feedback from something called rising strong it's over on our itunes account you can go and leave us a review or just rate us if you are afraid to leave a review that helps spread the word as well so this one says thank you for continuing this podcast i've been listening since you began thank you Uh, you have walked me through the woods and guided me through some of life's extremely difficult and dark places you have given light to my soul i always find truth and wisdom that have answered so many questions. You continually confirm, guide, validate, offer a different perspective, enlighten, and bring immense comfort to this complex subject of addiction and betrayal. You have given me a voice I couldn't find because unless you walk as the betrayed or the addicted, it is difficult to understand the complexities of the addicted and betrayed's unique challenges. Thank you for taking the time each week to share your stories and your insights. Along with my therapist, you three have been hands down the greatest forces for good in supporting me and taking my life to a higher level that it's meant to be lived. Thank you. Thank you. I love the last, that our life that's been meant to be lived in a higher. Yeah. Like we're not meant it. to live this really crappy life. And Absolutely. kind of how I was living my life for a long time. Yeah. That's a great review. And if you haven't yet, please hop over to uh, iTunes and rate and review. Love to hear from you. Well, Okay, so why can't I stop relapsing? I, you know, I've been listening to the podcast. That should solve all the the problems, right? Um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish it was that yeah. easy. Um, but but really, I'm going to therapy. I'm doing my dailies. I'm I'm trying to work my recovery. But man, when certain things come up, certain triggers come up, I just struggle and um, keep relapsing. Why is that? Uh, we want to break that down today, and there's probably several different reasons, and it's a little more complex um, than you may think. But there's there's uh, if we if we hit on one today, hopefully you'll look at it and say, oh, I need to tweak that, or I need to address that. Um, so one of the first things is that I want to bring up is well, first off, Kobe, I want to ask you, did you ever feel this way? Like this struggle of why can't I just stop? I think the better question, Brandon, in this is, did you ever f- not feel this way? And the answer was uh, no. I <laughs> I always felt 
the I always had the question, you know, um, swirling in my head when I'm when like this, I'm done. This is the last time, uh-huh. and then there would come a next time, and uh-huh. then a the next time, and so it was like this ongoing question. And uh, the more that I asked that, the deeper the shame of addiction um, became. But e- even after um, some specialized help, after having accountability um, people in your life, there's still a struggle and an urge and a desire to act out, correct? Yeah, that's, um, that's totally true. Um, but that begins to wane over time. Uh, so for example, yesterday, this is, I, I did some trauma therapy about childhood stuff with my mom and I was a train wreck afterwards. I was just wrecked emotionally, mentally. And, uh, I was like, Ashley, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm just, so you would think that in that state that I would want to numb that, I'd want to numb how I was feeling. But the cool part is, is that yesterday I didn't think, oh man, I, I gotta really not think about acting out. I realized, wow, I'm, that thought hasn't even crossed my mind. How cool is this that I'm actually in a place where I don't have to feel that. And that's not to say that doesn't happen very often. I'll so, have so like, but Kobe, you're kind of speaking to the, I think, I think it's awesome that what you're saying is possible uh-huh. to get to that place where, um, using lust, porn, sex, whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, um, that isn't what you need to, to use to, to cope with life and to yeah, deal totally, with life. Totally. Um, but it takes, it takes a while to get there. It does. And um, sobriety at first can be really, really difficult, even yeah. if you're doing all of the right things. Um, I was that guy, though. I was that guy. For, for, for most of my life, I was the guy who was either um, always telling myself that was the last time, mm-hmm. or I was asking the question, why can't I stop? Or I was um, just white knuckling and just gutting through everything that I was doing. Just right. gutting through right. life, trying to like just really resist the temptation, and and so, you know, I was uh, I was a mess for so 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 long. Right, Ashlyn, for you, like I, I'm sure you're wanting him to stop. Um, you're maybe at times thinking that he is, but he's not. Um, but then it just like keeps coming up. Relapse keeps happening. Yeah, what's that like for you? Um, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to go away for a long time. I didn't want to have the conversations like I wanted to know. I didn't either, for the record. And I also didn't want to know. Um, just like, just fix it. What's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> can't, why can't you do this? Right. Um, and a lot of that time, I really was uneducated. I didn't understand right. addiction at all. And so I think once so we... So just kind of like knock it off. Yeah. Like, please. Yeah. And I never had the attitude of like, it it must be me. I it really was like, he, his this addiction is your is pretty problem. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is your problem. Wh- wh- which isn't always the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it can go either way. Um, yeah. So I think it was pretty cyclical of when he would come to me. I always knew that uh, when he was on business trips, he would come to me after. You know, You'd expect that. I knew. Things. I knew kind of the cycle mm-hmm. of Kobe showing up every few weeks, every few months, whatever it was at that time, how, how well he was doing at white knuckling. Yeah. I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, and I traveled 
for work um, like quarterly and they were long trips. And so really you could almost set your watch to it. And um, that it's funny because your fear was like, okay, he's traveling. Yeah, it's got that. I'm going to get that phone call or we're going to have that conversation. But and I would think the same thing. You know what? It's so funny though. I listened to you say that and you've said it so many times. Like I think everyone knows this was our story, but what boggles my mind is that we didn't just try something different. We didn't say, right. hey, before you go on this trip, let's talk about what the inevitable could be for us, right? Like, hello, we're what? doing it year after year, <laughs> month after month. And yet we only had the talk after it happened. You keep doing what you're doing. You're going to keep getting what you're getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's, it's crazy to think that some different result is going to just all of a sudden happen. <laughs> yes. So, so, and that brings up the, this is really important that this is kind of the key to it all. And if you're listening, I hope that you, you really hear what I say right now, because, um, when we talk sobriety, sobriety is different than recovery. And we could tell you how to white knuckle better. We could give you, I, I could give you several tools right now that would help you white knuckle better, um, which would then lead to more relapse and more addiction. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that it's it's the inputs that you put into your life that will create that shift long term. It's not necessarily focusing on the, the the don'ts, like Kobe says, or or the outcomes, but it's the inputs. So over time, when you start to get into the recovery process, um, you have to do some uncomfortable things to shift those inputs in your life. Um, but once you have them, it's it's way way easier to to stay sober. And sobriety is a, is a byproduct of the system that you're living, the machine that your life is. If your machine is producing um, relapse every three weeks, then you got to tinker with things and change things and shift things so that you have a different machine that doesn't produce that, right? Um, so l- let me give some examples. Um, or maybe you can, Kobe. What are some things that, that really started to shift in terms of inputs in your life that are different now than when you were in this white knuckle phase or when you were just, just in your addiction? I got some structure with, um, with my dailies. Um, we, it's, it's funny how we talk about dailies all the time, but the ritual and the... Um, and the habit of dailies. And, and it's continually showing up for yourself. Like doing dailies is saying, I choose me. Yes. Right? Yes. It totally does. But, but here's, here's, here's what I want to identify with about dailies is that literally helped me to start my day in a new neuro pathway. Right. Because that's the, that, I mean, dailies have been a bedrock of a new neural pathway of, of recovery and it also has a lot of other benefits as well. Um, I began to be boundaried in the way that I interacted with the opposite sex. I began to be boundaried in the use of my devices. Okay. And um, I identified where safety was with devices. I identified where safety was with watching movies at night. I identified where safety was as far as sleep and fatigue and mitigating the, um, like the, the emotional triggers, stress and discord and so forth, I began to be more skilled in identifying those and how to, in a healthy way, deal with them. So you just touched on something really important. If you continue to relapse, 
and you continue to bring to the table the the skills that you have to cope with your emotions, then you're going to continue to relapse. Yep. Um, and so if, if you're relapsing, then you need to learn and, and not just learn, you need to practice over and over and over again, new skills to cope with pain and discomfort and, and learn how to tolerate it, learn how to work through it, learn how to grow from it. Um, right now, what you're doing is, is you're numbing it. You're not dealing with it. Totally. And it feels good to numb it. It feels good to avoid pain. Moreover though, physiologically, that's where I was. Like, like that was my routine. Just like my routine for getting ready in the shower in the morning is hair, face, body, shave, brush teeth. And right. I don't ever think about that. My routine for numbing discomfort and pain was one thing. And I didn't have to think about it. it mm-hmm. It's funny, right? I didn't have to think about it, but I really didn't ever think about it. It just <laughs> you were mindless. happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had those neural pathways. You had those grooves in your brain that would take you down that road automatically. Yep. And, and, and it's a little bit um, naive to think that all of a sudden, by a flip of a switch or going to the right CSAT or whatever, you're going to have new mm-hmm. pathways in your yeah. brain. Totally. Um, now you can learn what to do to practice consistently over and over again to create new um, coping mechanisms. Um, and, and but it's it takes work and it takes it takes a process to create those things. Yeah. What I hear in in what you describe and what I see the difference in you is that honesty with himself first. So being able to say like, okay, like I'm looking for ways to numb out or. That's a great point. You know, like being really honest is what allowed him to set boundaries for himself and bottom lines that I couldn't do. Every time you relapse, you practice some form of denial, which means every time you relapse, you lie to yourself in some way. Mm. Um, You justify, you rationalize it, you minimize it. um, You give yourself a good reason to do this thing. Um, and so this, this rigorous honesty, that, that being an input into your life, that will protect you from relapse because if you can't lie to yourself, then you're not going to allow yourself to hurt yourself and justify behaviors that you really don't want to do. Yeah. Right. So I also see mindfulness, which when I heard the word mindfulness and we, we took it at a mindfulness course that was, I don't know how many weeks, long time, 12, 12 weeks, um, it was like, woo, you know, we're, yeah. get, we're going out there. It's new age. It's weird. It's whatever. But what I learned totally is wasn't. it's not, no. it's not that weird. And all it is, is it, like, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it weird to think that it's weird to, <laughs> to connect to, with yourself, to actually be in the present moment? Like, oh, wow. But that's for out some there. reason, it's maybe our culture. Or maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me, but it felt like I was we were trying to learn this whole new language and yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. hard to do. And how can I block things out and how can I be really present in right. this moment? But yet that's what we were really trying to practice by living in recovery. I, you know, I would so easily jump towards the future and just go to that anxiousness of right. like, Oh my gosh, is this going to work out? Is he going to relapse again? When's he, when's the shoe going to drop? Or I'd go to the past with so much regret and so much sadness of like, it was all a lie, you know? Yeah. And it just was, it wasn't happy. And right. I couldn't find happy living that way. So for me, mindfulness just brought me to here, to yeah. today, to yeah. right now. I'm recording a podcast. That's all I can That's deal with right now. right now. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yes. Mindfulness is critical to relapse prevention. Um, when you can 
when you can identify what's happening in the moment, then you can block relapse. But if you're not mindful, your brain, your subconscious brain, your midbrain, will start to go down those pathways automatically. But if you have the, the, the brain power, if you have that muscle in there because you practice mindfulness, as you start to go down that addiction cycle, you're able to say, okay, okay, I see it, stop. And then as you're able to see it and you've practiced healthy coping skills and tools, you can say, oh, I'm gonna use this one. It's in my tool bag. I'm gonna go do this thing and it's gonna help me right now. And then I can deal with this pain and I can get past this, this urge or this crave or craving or whatever um, that's pushing me toward relapse. So I would say these three things, and I'll maybe I'll come up with more in a second, but um, mindfulness tools, inputs into your life. So what we were talking about, dailies, healthy dailies. Um, I've seen things like garden, gardening and horses and painting and all kinds of stuff that are just amazing, important tools for relapse prevention because you have good inputs in your life. Um, healthy boundaries, that's a good input. Um, but, but underneath all of this, the, the inputs, the mindfulness tools, um, there has to be uh, the right intention behind it. And, and so I can practice mindfulness, I can do my dailies every day, I can, and if I'm doing all, that, all of that stuff because I'm trying to prove myself to somebody, or I'm afraid that if I relapse, my wife is gonna leave me, or th then I'm still operating in fear, I'm still operating in shame, and I'm still producing that, and I'll, I'll want to numb that out. Now, if my intention is to create um, healing and to create love and to to live the life that I want, then I'm I'm working in the positive, and I'm going to start to create that positivity in my life, and I won't have a need for relapse when I'm resonating there. Does Does that make sense? Yeah, I was actually both though, and and whether or not I, that's right or wrong or whatever the case is. But I was, I worked recovery, I called the specialized clinic because I had had my second affair and I realized that I'd cross a line that I never thought I would. And I thought if I die right now and stand before God, I'm smoked, I'm just done. So I knew for sure that I had to change, but, and, and so I started it from a place of like, I have fear. to change. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was a place of fear. Uh -huh. Uh, personally, yes. But then the additional layer of fear that came on was six weeks into therapy when I disclosed the second affair to Ashlyn, and she's like, "I don't know if we're going to stay together or not, so we're going to have an in-home in separation." Then that added an additional layer of fear, like, "Oh my gosh, I better be able to do this." Now, with that said, though, with that said, I did individual therapy each week. I also did group uh, a group processing uh, each week, and I went to. 12 step every week. And I also had, um, I checked in with my sponsor every night. All good inputs. All good inputs. And what I'm saying is, is as long as you're aware that you must reconcile your intentions to recovery, you must reconcile your intentions against recovery so that you're not just trying to um, recover out of fear to keep somebody there or to please someone. But if you recognize I have to do this for me and you have this support structure in place in time, then um, it's possible for you to be ready. But if, you're, if your intention isn't there, if you're not authentic in doing this for you, it won't matter how much time you have. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is long term. Yes, long term. If, if, long term, if you're being compelled 
to do this work. It's just sobriety. Um, yeah, it's just sobriety and that sobriety probably won't last. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're not being compelled and, and Kobe, I knew you early on in your treatment process and I can tell you, um, yeah, you, you had some work to do and, um, you know, you were, you were struggling in some ways in your recovery or whatever. But from the day that I met you, what I felt from you is a desire to, to figure this out. You were, you were willing, you were humble, you were, you were open to, to learning. And, you know, when, when your therapist said, Hey, go disclose your second affair, you were like, Hey, let's do it. And, and, and you were willing to do those hard things, not because Ashlyn was cracking the whip. This is what I felt. It was at, at that point in the game, at least. It wasn't, it wasn't that she was cracking the whip. It was because you did have a belief in God and you, you, you believed that I need to make that right between me and God. And, and because you had that intention to do that, that was internal and that internal intention and that hope that you had to actually heal and change, that's what's gotten you here today. And that's what's gotten you the long-term sobriety that you're experiencing right now. Um, all of the dailies that you've done, all of the structure and the support, that, that's really, really important. But that has worked because you've, you've approached it from the right angle. Yeah, yeah. Sense. makes I'm sense. I'm curious as because, to what you observed, Ashlyn, Well, that, what Brandon's saying, I just want to validate because I see that. I have mm-hmm. girls who come and say, my husband's doing all the things that Kobe talks about. And we're listening to the podcast and he's still, it's not there. It's yeah. not happening. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, uh, what was your question to me? What did you observe early in recovery as far as? Um, well, what I'm thinking is what we were talking about on the way here on the car ride about expectations. And you told me that second affair without the expectation that I would stay, that I would go like he it, did, he he did, he it, did it for him. Yes. And I think that's really what started to make a difference for us is we were, we weren't doing it to, in hopes that if I do this, she'll stay. If I, if I go to therapy, Kobe will accept me and I will be enough. Yes. It was like, I'm doing this for me. Yeah. Whether you do it or not, I'm showing up for me. And I, I guess I look at it and think if you are relapsing right now and you relapse tomorrow and you go and tell your spouse, is it with the expectation that they're staying and you're going to just start over because you want them to stay? Where are your intentions? Right, right. What is your intention? Is your intention that you really do want to find peace and healing and and create love and connection and learn how to do that in your life? Because I promise you that if you have those intentions, if if you really resonate from that place of acceptance and willingness, you will create that. Um, but if you have fear and shame and all of that stuff driving your, your recovery, you're going to continue to stumble. And... Um, and, and, and when you stumble, it'll feed those feelings even more and you'll try to be good enough and you'll try to be perfect and you'll try to do all the right things and then you'll stumble again and it, the cycle will go on and on and it's really frustrating. There is hope, though, that it is possible and it's, uh, it's there are a number of things that, that go into it, but I will say this, that recovery demands mindfulness. It demands tolerance to pain, all the things we talked about. But recovery is also, as been mentioned, is a skill set. And that skill set is not a download, like doing an update on your computer. That skill set is something that requires um, consistent 
um, effort and mental focus over time. And as, and as that's the case, then, um, then it will show up for you and the results will show up. Um, after this episode, I want you guys to listen really, really carefully. Okay. Um, I'm going to do, we're going to do a deep dive on Patreon on four steps that you can use as relapse takes place to learn from it because there is data. The skill set means that there is data, there are data points behind a relapse. And if you look at the data and you understand what the lay of the land is, the, the week, the two weeks leading up to relapse, then you can understand more about your situation so you can um, use that data to help predict in future when you need to put certain measures in place to protect you. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Um, it's not going to be long, but it's going to be um, a very poignant, very uh, straightforward uh, method of being able to use four bullet points to uh, learn from and help to mitigate future relapses. This isn't a guarantee against relapse. I want to be really clear. This is just how I use um, the skill set to prevent relapse. I do want. I, I want to say one one thing um, before before we finish up here, which is, um, I rarely, if never, have seen beyond repair. Um, so I've dealt with guys who have acted out every day for hours upon hours, who have found not just sobriety but recovery. Um, and, and I've, I've worked with guys who, um, you know, they've told themselves how many times I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I keep going back to this. I want to stop. I'm done. Who all of a sudden start, they put the pieces together. They get the right inputs. They learn the coping tools. They have the right intentions. They have the right support systems around them. And boom, it takes hold. And um, what happens with those guys is it starts to take hold. That's when their recovery goes from this thing that, or their addiction goes from this thing that was a, a horrible thing in their life to this thing that is a massive blessing. And it becomes part of who they are um, because they, they just love it. They soak it in. They, and, and as they do that, and it becomes this mission of theirs um, to help other guys in recovery, to um, live a life that's on the surface and to be free from addiction, they don't have the urges and cravings that they had before it goes away um there's still temptation but mm -hmm. they don't have those urges and cravings so um if you're listening to this and you're thinking uh, well i can't do that it's too hard if you if you think that then you can't and you won't but that's not true you can do this um and you can you can find peace and you can find sobriety and um recovery is a real thing it's a real thing for sure thanks for sharing that brandon i think it's important because you have seen and helped so many for people to hear that absolutely good source all right thanks guys see you guys i want to invite you guys over to our premium site where you get in-depth content and access to us we answer questions there for you and you get interaction with like-minded people to find that site go ahead and click details and scroll to the bottom you'll see the link to our patreon site